following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Right now, do you have a heart that is truly filled with gratitude? Can you look back over this past year and really rejoice over what the Lord has done in your life? What have you seen him do? Where have you seen his hand at work? We've been through the Thanksgiving holiday. It's all about giving thanks for what we have. We've been through the Christmas holiday. Some of you are still uh, putting away stuff. Maybe you've already put away your Christmas decorations. Maybe you still have boxes and wrapping paper uh, stacked up in your house. But what is the most memorable thing uh, about this past year that you can think of right now? What can you really just throw your hands up? And there and say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Christmas, we get lots of gifts. We give a lot of gifts. Uh, for weeks now, people have been bringing candy, snacks, gifts, cards, uh, you name it, it's, it's there. What is the most memorable thing that you received this past Christmas? Or maybe... Throughout the years, maybe what is one gift that you've received that you will never, ever forget, that you'll always cherish? Maybe it's something useful. Maybe it's something that you use time and time again. It has a purpose. It's functional. Or maybe it's something that just brings back a memory. Maybe it's a decoration of some sort. Maybe it's a Christmas ornament that you get out uh, every year. Well, what is it that brings joy to your heart? What are those things that you receive that, that really just bring out the joy in your heart. I, I hope that you're saying it's the gift of salvation. My hope and my prayer is that everybody here in this room knows for sure where they'll spend eternity at. Let us be thankful to God for his greatest gift, Jesus Christ. Christmas is not just the only time of year we should celebrate that. We should be celebrating that each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. What really brings joy to your heart? Maybe there's some element in your life right now where you just haven't experienced that true joy that Jesus wants to give to you. So we find ourselves in the book of John this morning going off of the theme of joy that we looked at last week. Uh, we'll be in John 16 for our main passage, but it's real interesting when you read through the gospel of John, when he hits about chapter 13, it's kind of the beginning of the end for Jesus. He's preparing his disciples for uh, his imminent death upon the cross. And so in John chapter 13, we see him uh, observing uh, Passover, the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And on that same night, he identifies his betrayer, Judas Iscariot, but he also predicts Peter's denial, and then he washes the feet of all of the disciples. And then John 14, he really gets into the matter of preparing them for what lies ahead. He, he's saying, I, I must go away. I, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when I do that, I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. As a matter of fact, he begins kind of mentally preparing his disciples because he, he, he starts off John chapter 14 by saying this. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also and where I go, you know. And that's when Thomas asked him this. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus point blank tells him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the father, but by me. And then Thomas asked him the same thing. He says, uh, show us the Father and it'll suffice us. And Thomas, uh, Jesus said, Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so that conversation throughout that night begins preparing his disciples. John 15, he talks about being the vine and the branches, which, which we read just a moment ago. He, he's saying, you got to stay connected to me and I'm going to send a comforter to you. He said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. He said, I'm going to send a comforter that will help you stay connected with me. That way you can bear much fruit. He said, the things that you've seen me do, you're going to do much greater or many more things than that. And in John 17, he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he prays the high priestly prayer, not only for his disciples then, but for future believers as well. But something you'll see very interesting throughout those several chapters is a theme of joy. It's the theme of joy. Jesus says, I'm going, you're going to see me die, and you're going to be sorrowful for a little while. But when I return, and when the Holy Spirit comes in, he says, you're going to experience a joy like you've never felt before. And so that goes for us as well. When we invite Jesus Christ to come and live in our hearts, he creates a joy within us that this world cannot provide and this world never will provide. And part of that joy is having peace with God, but also having a hope for a future as well. Because like he told Thomas, he says, I'm coming back to receive you unto myself. So thinking about that every day, no matter what trials and troubles you go through in this life, that should automatically bring a sense of joy like nothing else can. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're in the book of John, chapter 16 is our main passage. We're going to be reading specifically verses 19 through 24. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. And if you have your copy of God's word and you're open to John 16, say amen. Amen. All right, let's go. Verse 19. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the word, a world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Stop right there for just a moment. The word most assuredly, if you're reading the King James Version, you'll see the word verily, verily. Or if you have a, a more modern translation, it, it'll probably say, I assure you. But I would say underscore that word because it's in this passage twice. When Jesus says most assuredly or very verily, he's not just trying to get your attention. He's saying, I'm promising you that this is going to happen. The first time he says it in this passage kind of has a negative connotation to it. But the second time he says it, 
It's extremely powerful. It's kind of like saying amen at the beginning of a sentence. Most of the times we say amen at the end of a prayer, which means let it be so. But Jesus is saying it at the beginning of a sentence to add a certain emphasis. He says, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. If there's anybody here that needs their sorrow to be turned into joy, pay close attention to what this passage says next. Because he lays out somewhat of a parable next. Verse 21, he says, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And that is why I say to you today that those of you who are a child of God, if you've truly been born again, you have a joy that this world cannot rob you of. You have a joy that is never ending and you have a joy inside of you that the, the fires of this world can't put out. I mean, that this world can't put out. It can't quench. He says, 22, therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. And here's the second one. Most assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And this is the exact same statement that he said in John fifteen eleven. If you'll bear much fruit, your joy will be full. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this incredible passage or for this incredible truth that you assure us of. I pray, Lord God, that today we'll take away from this passage what you intended it to be, that we'll all leave with the promise and the hope of knowing, Lord God, that there's a joy within us that this world cannot take us from. It's a joy that this world will not understand, and it's a joy that cannot come from anything else. And so we rest in you this morning, Lord God, as a true source of our joy And we pray, Lord God, that just as the disciples uh, here in this passage, Lord God, they were worried about several things. I know, Lord God, that there's somebody here that is worried about something either happening or not happening in their lives. And I pray, Lord God, that they would be able to find a peace and a joy during their time of trial and tribulation. And we just thank you, Lord, Lord, for what you're going to do as you move among your people. And as you speak to us during this time, we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The gift that keeps on giving. What is a gift that you've received that you just use time and time and time again? Something that you cherish, something that you honor. How did you accommodate that gift? How did it come to you? I found earlier today how I could get me a new watch. Uh, as a gift, I was sitting in a Sunday school classroom back there and I said, oh man, I, I can preach all day. I forgot my watch and I had about two or three watches coming my way before I left that room.
Sometimes you ask for something. Sometimes you anticipate receiving something. Sometimes you get that gift. Sometimes it's not quite what you expected it to be. Sometimes it's probably way more than what you ever hoped or dreamed that it would be. But here Jesus is promising his disciples a gift that they'll not accommodate any other way other than through him. And as he knows that the news of his death is going to sadden them, he tries to help them overcome that ahead of time by giving them the gift of joy. He says, look, it's, it's necessary that I must go. It's all part of the plan. You don't understand it now. You don't comprehend it now. But in the end, you're going to experience a joy like you've never felt before. And some of you have things going on in your life right now that you don't understand. You didn't ask for them. It's not your fault. You're a victim of circumstance. Whatever the condition may be, whatever the circumstance may be, you're in a situation right now that you just don't see any purpose in. You don't know how it's going to end up. Well, let me just say, God is working behind the scenes to accomplish something in your life. And even though you may not understand it right now, they say that hindsight is always twenty twenty. In the end, when you look back, you'll say, now I understand what God was doing back in that time I was going through that trial and that tribulation. And that's what Jesus is explaining right now. He says, look, you're going to experience a joy that you've never felt before. And the first thing that I want you to understand about this gift of joy is that, number one, the joy Jesus brings is not conditional. He's saying, look, in verse 20, he says, most assuredly I say to you that you will weep. You'll lament, and the world's going to rejoice. He's going to say everything's going to seem totally upside down. He says, there's a condition that you're fixing to be in. You followed me for three solid years. I have taught you. I prayed with you. You've asked me questions. I've answered them. You've seen me heal people. You've seen me walk on water. He said, but there's coming a time where the world is going to rejoice over the bad things that are happening to you. He said, don't worry about the condition of the things going on around you. Don't worry about your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances rob you of your joy that you have in knowing who I am. So here's a question that I want to ask you about this. What is it that your joy depends on? Does your joy depend on worldly and material things? Does having possessions bring you joy? Does having more money in your bank account bring you joy? Or do you find joy in spiritual things? I find it very interesting that Jesus makes a comparison here in verse 20. He's letting his disciples know that the world is going to rejoice over his death on the cross. The world is going to rejoice over the very things that makes his disciples weep and lament. Let me just tell you something about the Christian life. You're going upstream every step of the way. You're going totally opposite of the ways of the world. And what the world finds joy and satisfaction in are the things that you should reject. Because the things that you find satisfaction and joy in, this world does not understand. 
Why do you go to that church every Sunday? Why do you give them 10% of your income? (laughs) Why do you serve? Why do you spend your time up at that church? They just don't understand what's going on in your life and why you love the Lord the way that you do. Why do you read that old outdated book that has no application for your life today? They just don't understand the things that you do as a Christian. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples here. He's saying the very things that you weep and lament over, this world is going to rejoice in. But look at what he says. He says, I'm going to reverse all that. (laughs) He said, even though you weep and you lament for a little while, even though you go through some trials and some heartache, your sorrow will be turned into joy. If you don't have that highlighted in your Bible, if you don't have that memorized, if you don't have it locked down in your mind somewhere, you need to. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that being a Christian means that all of your heartache and sorrow will be gone. It doesn't say that anywhere. Nowhere does it say that you will never experience grief. Jesus didn't promise that. As a matter of fact, he said point blank, he says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Never does it say in the Bible that people will never hurt you and that they'll never treat you cruelly. It doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples, he said, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues. They're going to beat you. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to do some really cruel things to you. And in the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That sounds kind of countercultural, doesn't it? That's not, that's not what this world promises. But he says there is a purpose and a plan for it. Here is what the Bible does say. It says that there are blessings and joy for God's children that this world will never experience. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 30, verses 4 through 5. It says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There's going to be some dark times in your life. There's going to be some conditions that you go through, but your joy is not based on your current condition. Your joy is not based on what the things that are going on in your life right now. Your joy is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And the fact that he lives within you, 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If people and circumstances dictate your joy, you haven't found the real source of joy. If people and circumstances keep you from serving and worshiping the Lord, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're doing it because of people and you're not doing it out of your love of God. That song that Jordan sang just a moment ago, all I have to offer you is my gratitude. And there comes a time in my life where all I can do is just throw up my hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the things that I have. Thank you for what I'm going through because I know It's making me a better person. It's making me a stronger Christian. And I know that in the end, it's going to draw me closer to you than anything else would. 
Think about some of the situations in the Bible where bad things happen to good people. Pharaoh made the lives of the Israelites absolutely miserable for over 400 years before God released them to head towards the promised land. Our good friend Job, he lost everything near and dear to him. You talk about some severe conditions. You talk about some extreme circumstances in a person's life. All of his children, all of his houses, all of his wealth, all of his livestock, all of his crops, everything was gone. And here's what Job had to say. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Because Job knew that God was in control and God was working out something that he didn't understand. His wife tried to tell him to curse God and die. His three friends came along and said, Job, what in the world have you done (laughs) to bring all of this on yourself? And Job said, "Uh uh-uh, God's got a plan. And I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to praise him no matter what. Nehemiah, when he was rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem, he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Even when several groups of people were coming up against him, trying to keep him from rebuilding the walls, he said, I take great joy in knowing that my work is for the Lord and I'm being obedient to what the Lord has called me to do. David wrote in the book of Psalms, chapter 126, verse five, he said, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. There's going to come a time in your life where maybe you go through some anxiety or depression, discouragement, whatever it may be. That's just one dark time of your life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4.11, he said that whatever condition I find myself in, I have learned to be content. Paul was shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten several times, 40 lashes, what the law would allow. He said, yet in all of those conditions, everything that I've gone through, I've learned to find joy and peace and contentment in living my life for the Lord. So let me just say this. Whatever's going on in your life, Whatever's being thrown at you right now, it's nothing new. It's not something that's never been experienced. It's in there somewhere. Somebody has gone through exactly what you're going through, yet in the end they come out saying, I love the Lord, he loves me, and all I can do is praise him for bringing me out of that situation. The darkest night on the Sea of Galilee The disciples experienced the worst storm that they had ever experienced, yet they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. The Lord brought the storm upon them, and then he came to them, and he calmed the storm. He said, peace be still. Only God can turn grief into gratitude. Only God can turn heartache into happiness. Only God can turn sorrow into Rejoicing, and only God can turn your trials into a testimony. What is it right now that you've gone through that you could tell someone, look, if it hadn't have been for me knowing the Lord, I would have never made it through that. 
Each and every one of you have a story of some sort that you can tell. Psalm chapter 30, verses 11 through 12. Here's what David said. He says, you have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. And to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to you forever. Here's the thing that I want you to learn about joy. It's a mindset. You have to make the decision to live your life with joy and knowing that God is in control of the circumstances of your life. John 15, 11, Jesus says, I want my joy to remain in you. Last week when we looked at Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. That's why I want so much for you to learn how to draw closer to God, to be connected with him each and every day because in his presence is fullness of joy. And what I found is is the more time you spend in God's word, the less the things of this world are going to affect you and impact your life. The only condition that needs to be met for you to have true joy is found in your relationship with the Lord. The more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend in his word, the stronger that relationship with the Lord is going to be. Not only does Jesus point out that uh, joy is not conditional, Number two, he says that the joy that he brings is intentional. The joy that Jesus brings is intentional. It's something that he wants you to have specifically. Verse 22, it says this. He says, therefore, now you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. I got to thinking about this a little bit as I was getting ready. And for some reason, the, the, the term, the security of the believer came up. Well, what does the security of the believer really mean? What all does it entail? What all is included in the security of the believer? When you hear the term, the security of the believer, what do you think of? Once saved, always saved? I'm going to correct that just a little bit. It's not necessarily once saved, always saved, but if saved, always saved. There is security in knowing that your eternal destination is set when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you think about the security of the believer, maybe this term, uh, I am of the elect, comes up. What does the elect mean? Who elects you? Who brings you in? Uh, Where is that vote cast at? Is there security in knowing that you are of the elect? Probably so. But here's one thing that I want to point out in this passage. Jesus intentionally uses a statement here to bring some security and comfort to his friends and to us. It is a promise that he gives over and over. And he started back in chapter 14 with this promise. He starts back in chapter 14 with the concept of his return. And he reiterates it here as well. In chapter 14, he senses their unrest about him going away and attempts to get their mind off the sorrows of this world. 
and set them on the joys of being in heaven with him. John chapter 14, he, he emphasizes the fact that I'm going to prepare a place for you and I am coming back to receive you again unto myself. There's the security in the believers knowing that right now Jesus Christ is preparing a place for those who have put their faith and their hope and their trust in him only. And here in chapter 16, he clearly tells his disciples and he tells us, I will see you again. Brothers and sisters, the scriptures repeatedly describe for us an eternal reward for those who make God a priority in their lives and who follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Master. You see that from beginning to end throughout the Bible. God is intentionally assuring us that there is an eternal reward for those who put their faith and their hope and their trust in him. And while we may experience pain here on this earth, that pain pales in comparison with all of the glory that awaits us in our eternal home. That is something that God intentionally wants you to know. And he intentionally puts it in scripture time and time and time again to give you that security of knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, knowing that he has a place prepared for you. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Once it's in there, it cannot be removed. And when that trumpet sounds, is your name going to be called? Is your roll up yonder? Is your name on the roll up yonder? Jesus lays out a parable here. Verses 21, he talks about a woman being in labor. He's, he's saying that for nine months, that woman knows sooner or later, I'm going to give birth. I'm going to get to see that little baby face to face. But for now, I've got some pains that I've got to go through. My belly's going to get bigger. I'm going to have maybe some stretch marks. I'm going to have these birth pains in the end, these contractions before I go into labor. But I know that in the end, all of that pain, all that trouble for nine solid months that I go through is going to be worth it when I get to hold that little baby in my arm. And that's exactly what Jesus is laying out here. He's intentionally laying it out with a parable saying that you're going to have to go through some sorrow. You're going to have to go through some pain. You're going to have to go through some heartache. But in the end, it's going to pale in comparison. He says that when a woman gives birth and she sees that baby for the first time, she forgets all about those labor pains, all about those nine months of carrying that child. But because now her reward is there. That baby is in her arms. And Jesus is saying, one of these days when you get to heaven, when I see you face to face, all of this pain, all this heartache, all this sorrow that you've been through on this earth, you're going to forget completely about it. And as Jesus describes it here, there is a joy experience once those pains of labor have subsided. If you want to experience a joy that only Jesus can provide, you must be intentional with your walk with the Lord. Write down this verse, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It teaches us this concept that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Are you thinking about spiritual things? 
Do those spiritual things bring joy into your life? Do you have the mindset that I'm going to be living in joy no matter what comes my way? And this world is not going to rob me of my joy. It's not going to take it away because my joy is eternal. My joy rests in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Here's what the apostle Paul has to say. He says, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. If you want to have real joy in your life, you need to be so heavenly minded that you're almost of no earthly good. (laughs) But unfortunately, some Christians are so earthly minded, they're of no heavenly good. But what is your mind set on right now? Do you get up in the morning and you try to envision what it's going to be like when you get to see Jesus face to face, when we're all gathered around the throne, worshiping his name 24-7, 365? Nothing else to worry about. No heartache, no pain, no disease. Nothing but worshiping the Lord. That should bring joy to your life more than anything else. But you have to be intentional with the things that you're focused on. Something I've found in these past uh, several months, this past year or so, uh, as I've started running, I, I did a 5K. My goal now is to do a 10K. I'm trying to get up to 6.2 miles. But here's something that I've decided. you you got to have your goals. you you got to have a mindset. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm not going to let it stop me. Because if I let it get to my mind, I can come up with all kind of excuses not to do it. It's too hot. It's too cold. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I got a lot to do today. My left knee hurts. My right arm hurts. My back hurts. I could come up with any kind of excuse to keep me from not getting out there and doing what I need to be doing. But when I make up my mind and I get my mind set on doing what I need to do, I know that in the end when I reach that goal, I see my cholesterol coming down. I see my triglycerides coming down. I see my blood pressure lined out. Everything's where it needs to be. That brings joy to me knowing that I have accomplished what I set my mind to do. Right now in your Christian mind, what is your mind set to do? In your Christian life, what are your goals for this upcoming year? Do you have your mind set already? In 2024, I want to witness to so many people. I want to read so many books of the Bible. I want to begin praying for this amount of time each and every day. Are you intentional about those things? Because those things will bring a joy in your life that this world will never experience. And those things will bring joy in your life that this world can never, ever take away. But you have to be intentional about it. And the joy that Jesus brings, he wants us to know that he has intentionally given it to us through his word. The next thing he points out is that the joy he brings is substantial. The joy Jesus brings is not conditional. Your circumstances don't dictate your joy. The joy Jesus does bring is intentional because he intentionally came for us to experience his presence. He now lives within our heart so we can intentionally know that we have security as a believer. But the joy Jesus brings is also 
substantial. Now, I think verse 24 is probably the key to this whole passage because he says it once in, in chapter 15, verse 11. He says, I want you to know that what you receive from me, your joy will be full in that like nothing else. Look at what he says in verse 24. He says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That is substantial for the believers, knowing that Jesus wants our joy to be full, complete. This is not the only time Jesus described the joy experienced by the followers this way. John 15, 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full, abundant, and complete. Peter claimed that the joy experienced by a believer was almost indescribable. First Peter chapter one, verses eight through nine, Peter writes this, he says, though now you do not see him, talking about Jesus, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's something to help you remember that. To rejoice is a choice. To have joy in your life is a mindset. It's a decision that you make. But to rejoice over the things of God is a choice that you make. I can't make it for you. And to experience that joy, you need to learn how to rejoice in every circumstance that comes your way. As 2023 comes to a close and a new year awaits us, will you decide right now that whatever happens, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen in this upcoming year. You don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. You don't know what your health is going to be like. You don't know what our country is going to do. You don't have any way of predicting what's going to happen in 2024. But here is one thing that you can make a choice to do. You can make a choice right now to rejoice and praise the Lord no matter what happens. You can make a decision right now to find joy in the Lord Jesus Christ by strengthening that relationship with him. As 2023 comes to a close, will you decide right now that whatever happens, whatever trouble you may experience, that nothing will rob you of your joy? Because that's what the Lord wants for you. Psalm chapter 126 verse 3 says this. It says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are Glad. Folks, we've got a lot of things to rejoice over what happened in 2023. We've seen God's hand at work in so many ways. And we've got a lot to be thankful for right now. We've got a lot of gratitude that we need to express to the Lord. But right now, we just need to go ahead and thank him in advance for what he's going to do in this upcoming year. Because if we make that decision right now, our joy is already set. Our mindset is already prepared and we are ready to take on this new year 
with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So choose right now to experience a joy that is found only in drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord in this upcoming year. Don't let this world drag you down. The promises that Jesus made here in John 16, he says, most assuredly I say to you, ask in my name that your joy may be full, abundantly, substantially. That's a promise that is given by the Lord. When he says most assuredly, he's saying truly. I guarantee you this one thing, that if you'll find your rest in me, your joy will be full. Maybe you're here this morning You haven't got a clue what I'm talking about when I say the joy of the Lord because you've never fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never experienced that joy of knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Your eternal destination is set. And right now you don't know where you'll spend eternity. That's going to rob your joy for sure. But when you step into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, By grace you are saved through faith, and it's not that of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When you step into his grace by faith and say, I want the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, my Master, my Lord, and my best friend. When you're at peace with God, through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of your sins have been washed away, you're going to experience a joy like you've never experienced before. So if that's you today, in just a moment, when the music begins, the invitation starts, that is your opportunity to step out in that aisle and come see me and say, Brother Tracy, I'm just not experiencing the joy that you've described today. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm lost. And I know that if I died right now, I'd go to hell. But I want to give my life to Jesus. I'll pray with you, and I'll show you how you can begin that relationship and how you can leave this building today and how you can step into the year 2024 with a joy like you've never experienced before because you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, as soon as this invitation begins, Make your way down here and let me know about that. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Or maybe you are here today and you are a believer. Maybe there's something that's come up in your life. It's kind of quenched your joy just a little bit. Maybe there's something going on and you're not quite for sure what the Lord's trying to work out. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and get along with the Lord. And say, God, what's going on? Why is this happening in my life? Help me to continue on with the joy that you can only bring. These altars will be open for you. I'd be more than happy to pray with you about whatever's on your heart this morning. But as this new year approaches, there are a lot of people that will make New Year's resolutions 
They'll make commitments. They'll make vows that'll die almost right away. But I want you to make a commitment right now that there's nothing going to rob me of my joy. There's nothing that's going to come between me and the Lord. And throughout this next year, I want to draw closer to the Lord than I ever have before. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning thanking you so much for your great love for us. And as Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. God, as I look back over my life, I I see your hand at work in so many different ways, Lord. And Lord, since I've been here in Morgan City, I I can see your hand working even more mightily than ever. But God, I know that you're just getting started. So right now, Lord God, I make the decision to rejoice into what you're going to do. I don't know what it is, but I know it's going to be good. And I'm looking forward to seeing many more souls saved. I'm looking forward to seeing your kingdom grow. And I'm looking forward, Lord God, to not just my life, but this church being involved in the areas that you lead us in. And I pray, Lord God, for each and every family here that you bless them and grow them and draw them closer to you. And in this invitation time now, Lord God, whatever decision needs to be made, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give that person the strength and the courage to step out and make that commitment to follow you no matter what. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.